just came back from Australia. Right. Zorn had a one of his mega festivals over there, mm. and we. Uh, you know, I was saying it was just I was thinking more about the flight than about the music. We, we you know, we spent all last year doing these, you know, giant yeah. um, Zorn fests. Um, and so I was pretty comfortable with the music, musical part of it. But, yeah. uh, but just thinking about traveling 28 hours and trying to be a player was uh, daunting but it was fine it was good it was good i had a couple of sleeping pills you know <laughs> so that yeah if you've got yeah i mean the the seats are a little bit more comfortable on those international ones and you know a little I've, bit i've had some really rough experiences middle middle seat cross country oh no i don't, i can't do that yeah i had a bad <laughs> i had a bad bad experience where i was um <laughs> where i was flying back on a uh, uh a red eye i had to be at work the red eye thing I, I don't. I always. I thought conceptually it was a great idea, yeah. but it, it never really worked for me. You have to be good at sleeping on planes, and I've never. I mean, I've gotten better at it, and now I can get maybe an hour sleep. An whereas, hour. Yeah. I mean, That's well, not enough. <laughs> I, I'm. I'm not doing a lot of international flying, but coast to coast, you know, maybe I yeah. can do about an hour, or at least you know, like forty-five minute chunks. I used to be 10 minutes in and out, you know, that sort of sleeplessness. Yeah, but and then you show up and the day's shot. So you, yeah. you've screwed a night and you've fucked a day. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like it's, you got nothing. It's a good album title but, for the next, <laughs> next album, screw, screw a Night, Fuck a Day. What, so so, so uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard the words um, Zorn Mega Festival come out of anybody's oh, mouth. Oh, well, seems... the, the, Zorn turned 60 last year. Okay. And he had a um, – he was uh, – he booked these – incredible four-day events mm. where one day would be all like all day masada four hours of masada music mm-hmm. different groups the next day would be like film music and mm. classical music and like that and different bands each day like for three four hours yeah and um how big were the crowds big yeah packed it in you know three four thousand five thousand you know yeah that's that's interesting Cause i you know i sort of I, I guess we get we we get spoiled in New York because I just you know and I just keep thinking of like oh yeah well you know John Zorn's gonna be playing at some neighborhood you right, know the stone. Um, club yeah exactly yeah, 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 and, yeah, you know yeah. once a week so it's uh, you know I guess I guess if you're on Australia you, you don't have no. that opportunity no it was the first time they, that he came and it was it was strange in the in the hotel elevator somebody came in and said thank you for coming I was like oh. Sure. Yeah. To <laughs> no you? Problem. Yeah. 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 Well, you 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 lead an interesting life in um in terms of performing because I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm actually most familiar with with you. Initially, I was you know I, I heard your name first through the the um, Mountain Goat stuff you were doing. Oh yeah, that's a blast. Hey, he has a new record coming out. That's yeah. going to be great. I just did two tracks for him on that. And it's just, for, I was just uh, thinking like yeah, yeah, but but every time you go out, it's you get to have this wholly different experience. Right. Well, I've actually been focusing that more recently. I, I don't do as much playing for other people. Because mm. I, I, I don't know, I'm getting older, I'm getting a little crabby. I have my own uh, vision about what I want to do. Yeah. So, But um, it's, it's, uh, it's a balance, doing, doing other, other people's music and um, my own. But, I mean, if you're going to play with people, you've, you've got this it's nice It's great to play with people. great people, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, who, yeah. Who, I can't think of another person who's playing with John Zorn and John Darnielle, you know, yeah, week yeah, to yeah. week. it's great. Um, it's great. You get, and maybe it's maybe it's being a, a a cellist, you know, outside of the particularly outside of the classical world. It, you know, it seems like they're kind of few and far between. So you get to sort of be that guy. There are right? more than you think. We're we're, yeah. we're like roaches. We're scrounging around <laughs> yeah. in the corners of the music business. The thing, but that I always say about the cello is that we're not really tethered. Besides classical, we're not really tethered to one particular music you know hmm. um, um so the cello is free to kind of yeah. roam from indie rock to jazz to and it's always had this kind of uh, its own thing going on you know um you know where, where violin could be like jazz hot or fusion or something like or bluegrass fiddle, or yeah. fiddle music yeah. and um, cello kind of has a way of insinuating itself on uh, any it's kind of music because it, it ch- you know and and I, and I mean this in the best way possible, but cello is one of those things that can just sort of be in there, in the mix, and maybe you don't even pick up on it the first right. time, right? I mean, I'm sure you do, obviously. You, right, <laughs> it's I the first do. thing you hear. I'm but, annoying. I have a cello. Yeah, but it's but it's um, it's just it, it can be around. It doesn't, you know, it it doesn't have to be overwhelming unless you unless you make it that way, right? You know, and unless you're sort of putting yourself 
I like to be overwhelming as possible. Yeah. Well, certainly on your own (laughs) stuff, right? Um, I I guess on, you know, on a, on a mountain goats record, it's probably more up to him. Well, I did some really wild stuff on the latest one that's going to be coming out. And so I don't know if it's going to be kept, but so far so good. So far, so far I've heard good things, but. um. Well, there is the the, the first one you were on, I think it was the the Sunset Tree record where it's just all of a sudden there's one track that just kind of smacks you in the face with the cello. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I forget, forget the name of that, but it was like we, we overdubbed three or four cellos, and it's just yeah. voice and cello, yeah. Yeah, that is a really cool track. Yeah, I, it, it's sort of funny, you know, like... It's a big fight about that, because was there, really? there was a real discussion with the record company and yeah. John about whether they were going to go with the norm, more kind of, quote, normal version with bass and drums or with the cello, and Scott Salter was really advocating for the... Uh, he's the uh, engineer. yeah. Who recorded? He was really advocating for the cello version. Of course, I was too. Yeah, yeah. He, he, you've actually been working with him for a while now, right? I mean, he's, he's working, Scott. Yeah. yeah. When when I met him on that, it was just such a great experience working with him that I try to get him to do all my own all my, my records. Yeah. Were, were you doing reading rock stuff before that? And as much yeah. as that's rock stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, you know, I played with Courtney Love a few times on <laughs> really? on, uh, on, uh, on an MTV Unplugged. Okay. And uh, I, I played on, I think, I, I don't know what her last record was, but I, I played on uh, a record recently, the last two or three years. I, what, how does that, how did that, the Unplugged thing come about? That was Hal Wilner who put to, put that together. He put together uh, Courtney with uh, uh, Zena Parkins, who plays harp, mm-hmm. me, and a winds player from the, uh, from the West Coast, mm. who she didn't she didn't like it all. Every time he'd pick up the clarinet and play, blow one note, she'd look around and go, I hate jazz. Ah. <laughs> she, the cello was okay? The cello was good. And that, I think that speaks to the instrument, right? That you can, <laughs> yeah. you, you can please John Zorn and Courtney Love. Yeah, right. <laughs> two, two very, very different people. Um, no, you know, when I was, I, I, I probably most people who have tried musical instruments and then ultimately given up in the way that, that I did, um, you know, I, I was I, I played around with a lot when I was younger, and you know, through like junior high, it was um, particularly like brass instruments, and finally gave up and picked up a guitar, which is yeah, it's so is forgiving. Yeah, and you know, and I I think the cello I like is the cello is the cello not cello is ball buster in in terms of learning it. Yeah. Okay. In terms of just being a a person picking up the instrument for the you know yeah. like for the first time, and it it's seems like really it would be hard easy, to make right. No. <laughs> it looks like it would be a you know just looking at it like oh it's no a big... like piano guitar you yeah. can you can be kind of okay and sound halfway decent and you can be you can to yourself you can hit a note and have... <laughs> you can hit a note yeah. yeah you can hit a bunch of notes and yeah. they're always in tune but the cello is really it's, I don't know I still find it rough I wish really? I keep thinking it's going to be easier and you know but it's never never the case well you know you I, I assume that's because you're pushing herself to do new things yeah yeah no it's just hard <laughs> it's just the hardest yeah right? it's just hard um it, it's a sort of i guess because you started when, when you were what five eight eight yeah so i wish i had started at five is that, is that it, the I problem is that years, why is that why you're not years are crucial man you would you would finally be a master of the cello yeah. had you started at five the other thing was that my parents my father is, is a photographer mm. and he would take us on these summer trips out west like we'd get it like I grew up outside of New York yeah. so we would get in the camper with You've a, got a pickup truck about that. Yeah, yeah a pickup truck and a camper block isopropane yeah. yeah and um we'd go out every summer for like 2 months and there was n- I never took the cello so it was like 2 months down every year and I can't figure out whether that helped me huh. in my career because I, I but I think I, you know there's like 17 years of that's what thirty four months. That's, yeah, that's a year and a half, or no, that's two. That's two years and a half of not playing the cello. Yeah, or I, I could have, where I could have been develop, honing my chops and technique. I would have been so much further along. Were you think? Were you th- thinking about that at the time? No, no. You, you were probably happy. At least at first, I was, you're happy to be away from it. I don't know. I think I, the most thing you know when you're big, when you finally become a teenager, the most thing you think about is being away from your friends yeah. and being with your family. And yeah, yeah, it yeah. was like, God, do I have to be with these people for two months? You know? Did they? Um, I mean, you know, such a hard instrument at such an early age. Um, I, I I imagine you probably thought about giving it up a few times. That's a really good question. I wonder, did I ever? I remember. I, I remember. I started playing in a rock band. 
in high school. Yeah. And I remember saying to my mother, you know, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to stop taking the cello lessons. And she was, she didn't. Well, that's what I was getting at, too, is, is, is I mean, that was the thing about the guitar was um, I thought at the time that these other instruments weren't going to serve me later in life. Everything I was listening to had a guitar, but not any of these other kind of, you know, periphery instruments. Right. That That is a big thing for me yeah. because, you know, I was learning classical cello which i which i really love but i was listening to mccoy tyner and edgar winter band and led zeppelin and Jimi hendrix and so for me the you know once once i didn't stop playing and i didn't stop taking lessons and um the the, it became once i became cognizant of this these that there was maybe possible to connect the loop between Mm. what i was listening to and what i was playing led zeppelin yeah you know, there's there's some strings in there. Yeah, yeah, cashmere and yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, th- th- there's a big difference between sweetener strings coming yeah. in on a chart and um, actually being the the lead voice mm. or one of the lead voices in the music. And you thought that that you could be that as a cellist? Well, I I, I don't know if I I really kind of cognizantly, or I was totally cognizant of. A, a clear vision yeah. but I just knew that somehow I needed to connect I needed to be able to play what I was listening to hmm. I, I need I, I had to connect that loop and um, and that's what started me down these alternative tracks and, hmm. and then once I kind of connected with the downtown scene in my 20s and saw that there were people doing this you know yeah. Hank Roberts and, and Abdul Wadud and, and people like that who were string players playing modern improvising music where they were a lead voice. Yeah. Well, it became clear to me that this was something I wanted to do. But that, I mean, that's, that's shift certainly from being in a pop group. I mean, that's, you know, the, this, the music, the downtown. Oh, no, no, I wasn't even thinking about, the, yeah. yeah, that's interesting you say that because I wasn't even thinking that. I wasn't thinking like, uh, I just wanted to, I wanted to play music that had like a a, a beat with drums yeah. and and where I could improvise and where I could be, you know, a lead voice instead mm. of playing a concerto or something. Yeah. You know, well, ja- jazz makes that possible, right? Yeah, and that's a that's a, a totally different way of thinking than playing, you know, a, a box sonata. Right. Um, well, surprising how. No, it is a different way of thinking. Well, it's in terms of. Um, um, constraints yeah it, in terms of constraints that's true um you know you can i mean that's it's it, it's an interesting thing because i've only started listening you know or you know I've, I've only started really listening to classical fairly fairly recently um you know i've been listening to, to to jazz for a long time and certainly you know rock and roll and everything else but um uh it's it's you know, it's 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 sort of strange to have these people interpreting the same thing over and over again. Right. Well, you know, the interesting thing you find is that when you play, I had a chance occasionally to play with some really great classical players, mm-hmm. and um, they bring that same feeling for improvisation, hmm. feeling for following the energy, being very present, and following the energy of the performance, even though you're playing the same um, notes, the notes are, yeah. are locked in. Yeah. There's there's a lot of flexibility with hmm. how you interpret them. It's interesting. Or, or at least it feels like that yeah. because it's not a lot. It's not like I can just cut loose in the middle of it and start playing a solo like I'm in a Cobra yeah. session. But Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that, that's, uh, that's how I was thinking about it. I mean, obviously there's, there, there are differences from player to player and this is something that I'm really now starting to pick up on it's a if you don't listen to the music closely it's it, it's 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 hard to tell it's not those, as obvious so, yeah those distinctions but um when somebody goes to uh you know i when somebody goes to hear a piece that they know well they want to hear it to some degree you know play Recreated. the way they know it yeah yeah um, yeah, and that, that you get a, a lot of nerdy discussions about you know Horowitz versus yeah. you know whoever about yeah. this kind of performance versus that, but that's what makes the world go round. You know, are, are you still are, are you still are you still playing that way? I I I mean classically. Yeah, I I have made a conscious effort to 
in the last five, ten years hmm. to point my career in a different direction because yeah. because there are a new group of young players that are so hot hmm. and great and giving their lives to, to new music where when I when I was coming up you know, I'm I'm not a normally. I didn't go to Juilliard, but the kids who were coming from Juilliard would just roll their eyes at new music. They didn't want anything to do with it. But now there's this group of twenty year olds <laughs> that are just fire breathing about new music, and so so you have these guys with and, and women, women and guys, <laughs> all all, all uh, of the genders, all of the genders, <laughs> um, who are just amazing players <laughs> and are are. Uh, really excited about playing new music and you know they're just better than i am so it's 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 like i spent a lot of years wearing a lot of hats i played broadway i played jingles movie soundtracks and and you know i just need to it's not it's not really good for me to be a jack of all trades so Hmm. much as more focused on um, bringing my particular voice of improvising kind of composing performer so 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 i I guess what you're saying the world is 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 you know maybe some of these other people maybe you're not as technically you know as good of a technical performer but you've got a a distinct voice and that's what sets you apart no these players are technically amazing yeah but i'm not as technically as yeah you're not that you're not as also i'm not interested in in i i just don't if i'm honest with myself yeah that's not where my real passion lies in 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 playing other people's music sure. and being uh, an interpreter of of a classical composer's yeah. music. Um, that's just not that's not exact. And so it's it's a little bit like I'm taking work away from somebody who could actually hmm. do a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would do an okay job, but it's just like I I just know that it's not. I'd rather spend my time writing a, a, yeah. a, for for my you know for Bone Bridge for my new band yeah. or for a trio or, or doing a, a movie soundtrack or something. And you're at a point now where where you can do that where you don't mm. have to work on jingles. It benefits me business wise too because yeah. that's 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 what that's what sells is that somebody who's someone who has a unique voice. Does that but does that end up being you know do, do do records with your name on it? Does that end up being the bulk of your income at this point? Records don't make money. <laughs> yeah, you put out a lot of them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> records, but records are a process or a part of the process of making money. Part of part of the process of records touring, are something to tour against touring yeah. and. Um, licensing i hmm. do a lot of licensing of music and um and they're yeah gigs yeah they haven't taken gigs away from us and and not you know some records some records do sell i'm just saying in general that um you you don't want to bank on the fact that you're going to make a certain amount of money from a record unless you're really shooting low is it uh i mean do you, do you blame the kind of industry and people's music listening habits at large or is this you know Sort of specific to the music for you're whatever out there. reason. Well, it could be, but yeah. I, I, I mean, it, that would be more believable if it wasn't happening across the, yeah. the spectrum. But I think, I think we're recovering slowly, and it's a, it's not exactly clear now how far we've come. But there, there was a point when all of a sudden music became less important to mm. people, and um, um, that's interesting. I mean, we're still. Or We're probably not, listening to it more than ever before. Yeah, actually, that, that maybe I didn't say it right. It's just that the, the perceived value of it, it was yeah, very important, yeah. but the idea of paying for it yeah, sure. became yeah. an anathema. Yeah. And, and it was something that... Um, we're, like I said, we're still recovering from that. We're still trying to, like, um, you know... And part of it was the big record companies kind of screwing around with and not handling... Napster very well yeah, and, and all that that I mean we all know the history there but, but on the flip side you know I have classical and jazz records have never sold particularly well right right, um, right. I was talking to somebody about this recently I can't remember I, you know I feel like they pulled out a number like oh yeah there's you know this is new phenomenal classical violinist and she sold 25,000 copies right which is huge in that world but everywhere else I mean that's that's a 
a drop in the bucket at least when you're tr- thinking of like really right well i mean records. these days that's not you if if you self-produce a record yeah put it out and you know you hire a publicist and you get a little distribution and you and you sell twenty five thousand. you you are making money yeah yeah you are definitely making money yeah who, who are you who, who do you end up playing i mean specifically when you're playing your your own work with your name on it who are you playing for generally um well I, you know i don't exactly know for sure i mean there there are fans there are people who yeah. are fans i mean uh i i go to europe i don't know three four times a year i go you know to, for a couple of weeks at a time and um you know there are clubs that you play for, mm-hmm. and you know, like the last tour we did clubs of you know two hundred, and then we did a, the largest gig I think it was about eleven hundred people mm. packed in in Milano, and um, so you know it, there it there is the 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 promise, there is the possibility to reach one's audience with with the internet yeah. and everything. It's just a matter of it's so complicated to how you position yourself mm. in terms of. Um, monetizing. How do you mean? Making money, making a living. Yeah. Um, hmm. And you're 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 doing most of this for yourself at this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I I do hire a publicist to to help me with the records, and but otherwise, I'm making my own records, and I have a booking agent in in Europe. Yeah. I, I don't have a booking agent in the states. Um, I, I guess I, I guess when I asked you a question of, of who you're playing for, I, I sort of meant that from from the standpoint of you know, and a lot of this you know, as um, as I'm listening to your, to your music from record to record, I mean there there are some, and you know I hate to classify too much, but I think it's important that you know there, there's there's a record that I would formally put in you know sort of jazz right territory and classical territory and. And then again, you know, I, I assume you're building up some some kind of an audience through this, um, you know, through the stuff you're doing with you know Vanderslice and, and Darnell. Um, you know, what is what what is a, a tour like for you? I mean, is it is it is it is it jazz clubs? Is are you playing to mostly jazz audiences? clubs? Okay, but but the audience is, uh, you know, there's there's a kind of a strict conservative jazz audience that doesn't really pay me any mind. That's so strange. That's the, the those words together. I mean, conservative jazz are so bizarre. But I guess well, we're kind of there now. Right? We are there now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I mean, that's. I, I guess I, I guess I would I might even in a strange way sort of classify myself there because it's hard for me. I don't. I don't go out and see jazz music. It's. It's. You know, and and. You know, I. I, I think most of the jazz that I listen to, um, it kind of ends. You know, at some point in the seventies. I mean, that's right. I, I. I probably like a lot. Of, a lot of people probably kind of gave up on jazz, and the people, a lot of the people who are into it now are, you know, not, not to name any names, but are yeah are into the people who are sort of upholding the standard from the fifties, the sixties. I mean, not not even later Miles Davis, early Miles Davis. Definitely right? not later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and they, they well, just... I mean, you know, going to see jazz or going to see music in a small club like the Stone or something has a lot of. I mean, you you don't get the the uber spectacle, but yeah. you get this proximity to fantastic musicianship that's really amazing. So, but it's a small club. But so it's small clubs, and you're, certainly you're not making that much money off of that. Well, it depends on where you are. Yeah. You know, in, in New York, I don't make very much money when I play in New York. Yeah. But when I go to Europe, I, I, I can do okay, you know, string together a bunch of clubs. You know, it, for for them, we're really special. <laughs> well, and, and you know, and, and we, tend, we tend to, and there's probably something in this, but we tend to think of them as being, you know, um, more progressive. And when it, when it comes to music, you know, more... Um, I think that's true, maybe... In, I, I think it's possibly has some elements of truth. I'll yeah. say that. But what you know, when it really comes down to it, is like we are from the states. We are, mm-hmm. we are. Jazz is an American in, phenomenon. In new, yeah. Voices from afar. Yeah. You know, it's like whenever I go, not whenever, but often when you go there, you'll talk to local musicians. They'll come out and hang out, and, uh, and I'll say, "Wow, this club is great. Having a great time here." Yeah. Oh, they never those motherfuckers. They never book <laughs> me. I try to get a job. Yeah, assholes. And everyone's like, "Yeah, yeah, you're local. That's that's what we have to fight with. We're local here in New York. You know, it's like, uh, 
Is that yeah. that's is that still the case in New York? I mean, certainly oh. there are venues. Oh yeah, there are there you know there are venues. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get work, but it's just like I, I always think it's just a little bit. It's a little bit harder to get the local. I mean, because you're just here playing well, that's what all we're the time, earlier, right? Because yeah. you're not, yeah, that you're not special. In, right. Yeah, if, 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 especially in New York, it's yeah. hard because there, any given night there's 16 things that yeah. are going on. So, well, that, like you really got to work hard. That's there. interesting. I mean, how you know how you know so you're you can you can play in New York, obviously, and and you you know you, you you've been able to play in Europe. You just did some stuff in Australia, but how 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 is the U.S. beyond? New York and Los Angeles. And I Chicago. wish I knew. I've done some touring, but it's you know the 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 the, the states are so big yeah. that like in Europe, they're okay. I'm going to sound like a Europe file, but <laughs> that's not really the case. But, but you know they have a, a really mostly working train system that makes it possible to yeah. go from one place to another um, reasonably quickly and inexpensively. So, but whereas in the states we have incredible long distances you mm-hmm. have to travel between gigs and so it just doesn't economically work out unless mm. you have like uh i don't i don't even know what i mean you have to have some kind of booking agent and s- system that puts together tours or you have to be willing to play for very little money yeah well you did the you did the i assume you did the van thing when you were touring with Vanderslice and darnell right well i was kind of a little special in those <laughs> those cases i i kind of picked and choose um, when I when I I didn't tour I didn't tour with them regularly. Mm-hmm. I would open for Darnell. Yeah, I um, saw you at the I think the Knitting Factory. I think you were. Yeah. Wow, that was that was the beginning of our yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was fun. That was where they uh, the guy who did a, a solo record of mine sent him the solo record. He said, "Yeah, bring him down to yeah. play." So that was fun. Um, but I would open for them in these clubs, and it was great because you know I would go out there by myself at the on stage, and people, you know, it's just like the audience for a Darnell show is so much more open than yeah. you, than uh, you know, yeah, maybe a standard rock show. Yeah, so they were like very welcoming. It was great, and I would play for maybe twenty five minutes, a half an hour. So I mean, was was there some fear from the outset that you know that you'd be absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like I'm walking out there naked, hmm. you know. Yeah. Because uh, they don't really know me. Yeah. And you've got a cello. I got what a cello. Weird, what a weird thing <laughs> yes. to bring on to bring right. Well, it turns out it was. It's kind of, you know, that kind of vulnerability is what one of the things that makes yeah. solo cello such a great thing, is that, um, and I don't know why it's more the case than solo violin or solo huh. accordion or something like that. But somehow solo cello has a thing to it. At least it's, it's been for me because yeah. I do a lot of solo playing. Yeah, and I mean, it really works for me. That's interesting. I mean, if you just, if you really just sort of break down the, the, the positioning, I mean, you're just, you're really just there. You know, you've, yeah. violin, you've sort of got this thing up against your head. And yeah, you it can, looks like kind of a weapon. Yeah, and you, you're really, you're, <laughs> you're about as bare as you can be just facing the audience. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I I imagine you've got this sort of um, romantic notion of as far as as far as touring across the United States. I mean, you put that you put that record out about your your travels in, a, in an well, RV. touring and traveling are mm. you know they're slightly different. Yeah. Um, I still love to go go on the road and um, and I would love and touring in the states is fun because it's it's our country. You yeah. know, it's great when you can do it. Yeah. Um, it's just so much work to put it together. And, um, yeah, I still have a, a kind of romantic notion about traveling. Yeah, I still love doing that. So what's the what's the plan with the newest record as far as promotion? Well, we're going to go to Europe. And we, we actually just got back for two weeks in Europe. Yeah. Um, um, kind of advance promoting this record. It's such an interesting thing, though. I mean, that's the first thing on your slate is we're going to Europe. You know, we've got this record and we're going to go yeah, well, as that's far where away as possible. That's where we make money, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm still working on putting together gigs. It's just very hard, you know, because many of the good places to play are real jazz clubs. And mm. in, in, in the States, it's a little harder to, to break through. And, hmm. and they have a kind of um, more rigid kind of booking system whereas it yeah. like like 
Nighthawks is not really a jazz record necessarily, although I, I think it would work great at a jazz club. But So we have to kind of play fringe places, which is a little bit yeah. tricky. I mean, you know, that, that I guess that makes sense. It makes sense from the standpoint of what what jazz is now. Again, aside from going to you know some piano bar or something it's this it's you go to blue note you, you pay 50 bucks you see yeah, a jazz band right you know, right and they're not going to book me yeah you've, right. you've, it's it's a, a commitment it's not like a rock show where you're paying 10 bucks and maybe you're seeing a couple of opening acts like you've this is this is your night it's going to cost you a lot of money so that's 50 bucks two drinks you know you're getting out of there you know 100 bucks right poorer. you know there are a few clubs the jazz standard is a good place they they have um kind of a, a more wide-ranging uh, booking policy. We're going to be uh, premiering the record in New York at Subculture, which is a pretty cool club mm-hmm. here on Bleecker Street mm-hmm. on May 22nd. Mm-hmm. And um, so that'll be our CD release. And, you know, I'll, I'll probably maybe go to Boston if I can and down to Baltimore. And I've played Philadelphia, you know. And um, I, when I was doing my solo record, it was a little easier. I could um, I went to Chicago and went to the West Coast, but it's uh, it's expensive to travel with four four people. So so the, the the Zorn stuff that you're doing that doesn't open up the opportunity to play. It anymore. does. It does. It does. But to a certain extent, mm-hmm. I mean, he's still. I mean, he's he's very well known for what he does. Super well known. But in a pretty and it's a great showcase for yeah. the players because that's one of the. Um, the really cool things about playing with John. You're playing his music, his mostly his way, mm-hmm. but he gives you a lot. Once once you uh, understand what he wants and you can give it to him, then he gives you a lot of freedom to run. So, you know, yeah. it's really great. But, I mean, that's the thing about um, playing with Darnell or something. It's like, yeah, you know, you know, when we, I've played live with him and it's, it's great. People love it. But there's a big difference between that and actually getting that person to pick up and buy my record and or come to my gig. Yeah. It's different. It's different. Yeah. Yeah. The, and, and, and that's an interesting... Which is understandable. Yeah. Well, and know? that's an interesting experience, too, because it's, it's, um, it's almost like this added bonus that you get <laughs> when, you go, when you go to a show like that, when you go to a guy... I mean, now, now he's a band, but for a yeah. long time he was a guy with a guitar, and then there's, oh, there's a, here's this extra thing. Yeah. Right. Which is great. Which yeah. is great, but like once again, it's just uh, th- those people are really Darnell fans, you know, yeah. Mountain Goat fans, yeah. the bands. So, but, I mean, I, I, I will say though that that's an audience of people who is very eager to see people bear themselves as much as possible. Yeah. I mean, if there's one thing, if Absolutely. there's one thing he's good at, it's being you know emotionally naked. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Um. So so the new then. I don't know if it's the newest record, but the, the new record is about your wife. Is that or that, that's that was... uh, Claw, claws and wings? Yeah. yeah, the new record that that's the newest record that's out. That's out now. Yeah, 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 yeah. My wife died two years ago in November, two thousand eleven. Yeah, so I um, I uh, about eight months later, I felt kind of ready to kind of see where I was artistically, try to try to manifest some of what I was feeling into music and um you weren't playing in the meantime well yeah you know well shit happens I I I I fell off a bicycle oh Jesus and uh tore my ligament in my left thumb yeah it just and the the guy said well you you either ripped it or tore it off completely and then we I went for an MRI and I tore it completely so my thumb was kind of hanging here so I, I the bottom line was I wasn't really playing much either so it was uh I did a lot of thinking. <laughs> yeah. So uh, this all happened around the same time. Jesus. Yeah. So um, so I wrote this record. I called uh, Ikwe Mori and uh, Sylvie Corvoisier about five weeks before I did the record and um, said, were they free? And they were free. And so I wrote the record and then and um, then we recorded it. And I, f- I feel like it. it's, it's kind of a... a, a, a a memory of my wife, but it's also a, a statement of where I was at the time, which is trying to move forward and, hmm. and and to be positive about the about life and everything. And so it's it has a melancholy feel, but it's I think I'm really happy with how it came out. It's interesting because we we were talking before about this 
two-month period that you would get once a year when you weren't playing, and you had that thrust oh, upon right. you. Oh, right. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know, was, I, I, and I wonder if that was, for you, if that was, would it have been better to have been playing music, or was it good to have a break? You know, just like that break I got every year, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I, I felt at the time, like, this was going to be hard. I was going to go do some concerts, but it was going to be good for me to get out and just be with people. But then of course, then I had to cancel them all. So I didn't end up going out with being with people. Hmm. And, um, you know, death makes everybody really uncomfortable. It's understandable. Yeah. And um, so when I did kind of start resurfacing, playing a little bit, and then I, I made a point of going out to see shows and like kind of letting the world know, okay, I'm back, you know. And it was a, it was a little uncomfortable at first, but that's just the way the world is, I guess, you know. And you, but you knew that the you know as soon as your hand was back that you knew what you had to write. Um, no, I didn't. I just knew that I had to write something. Yeah, I felt like I knew to write something, and so when I got the players, because it it becomes much easier to conceive of what you're writing yeah. when you know the players that you're writing for, the people you're writing for, and uh, that's that's really what it was all about. You know, as, as somebody who. I, I guess I, I, most of what I'm listening to is has some sort of lyrical element to it. You know, when you're right. um, when you're paying tribute to somebody, or when you're trying to put yourself in a certain spot. I mean, it's um, I guess you can be a little more frank about it. It's a little it's a little easier. I mean, sometimes it's a little more on the nose. Um, well, how do you how do you capture some? Because you you know, and I think you, I think this was something you were trying to do on the. Um, uh, the the propane record as well was really sort of capture a time and a place and, and people in instrumental music. It's tough. It's difficult. I mean, I think instrumental music there's 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 an abstract thing about it that makes it a little less easy for people to immediately connect with when you're up there. Yeah. I mean, I've been on stage with Darnell when he's singing and people are singing the words right with him exactly yeah. in sync, yeah. and it's like even though he's you know, he said many times, I know I'm creating stories. This isn't me. It's something about it that feels like a, it's him. Yeah. You know, and he's embodying it and people are, it's communicating directly. And, and we in instrumental music don't have that pathway to yeah. the audience. So it's, so you have to, you have to just be, has, have as much integrity and passion and, and, um, um, purity in in following your vision and hope that that communicates you know what are you capturing you know you're capturing a feeling you get when you're with somebody is that a feeling i feel like it's an atmosphere yeah it's a it's 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 a feeling of uh it's different each each piece yeah sometimes it'll be a memory or an atmosphere. Sometimes it's a specific, you know, incident. Or um, it's it's abstract. It's a little bit. I mean, you know, it's like tasting wine. Like, yeah. you know, do you really taste the bacon? Yeah. Is the leather really overtones really coming through? Yeah. You know, it's it's. But it's, I mean, but I mean, that's an interesting. It's an interesting analogy because, you know, so much of of wine has to do with um with with smell and smell is supposed to be i mean that's supposed to be the sense that brings you back right i mean that's right. it you know and and we've all experienced that oh I mean, yeah for some reason there's something about that smell specific or that sense right. specifically and is the idea uh, you know if you play something and it 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 brings you back it puts you in that place well, it's funny because with block ice and propane what began as a just an accidental experimentation with playing plucking playing yeah. pizzicato yeah which is something i started doing more and more of but I've just noticed. yeah <laughs> and um th- that as i was just sitting in my practice room working it out just playing bringing these guitar techniques i had learned because i my first instrument was guitar mm. and, and playing these folk guitar patterns and just seeing what would happen if i put it on the cello retuning the cello like yeah. guitar players do Start I, in in moments when I was kind of just drifting, I would start remembering these trips that my family took every summer, and everyone was like, "Wow, what's the connection?" And then gradually that connection started feeling kind of 
influencing how I wrote and what I wrote, you know? Mm. And so... Um, what was the connection? I, I'm not exactly sure, but I think it has something to do with the Americanness of what I was coming up with. Yeah. And where do I get my connection to America but these trips, you yeah. know, all, you know, I think I saw every state, you know, from that high picture window in the camper and the uh, looking at which they don't let you do now. Yeah. Um, but so I, I, I mean, I'm just guessing, but I think that's probably had something to do with it. And, um, um, in terms of claws and wings, I, I don't know. I just felt like I was just writing from where I was at that, at that point, kind of, grieving but also looking forward to life and um you know that's and just hoping that there was a strong enough connection that it would communicate yeah yeah well i mean that's it it seems like it could have been easy to have just done a a grieving record right i mean that's that's well i didn't want to do that hopeful but hopefulness is that's that's almost the hard part right yeah, it's hard because I think of, of expectations. Like if you talk about doing a record that's dedicated to your wife who died of breast cancer, then, I mean, yeah. I think no, but everybody is like, oh, it's going to be a real downer. But, yeah. you know, it, it, it's like what a good memorial service should celebrate the life. And so in a sense, I was celebrating her life mm-hmm. and my future and my daughter's future. Yeah. And um, so there's it's it it. it, 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 it there's a shifting between optimism and a mood of, uh, of memorializing as well. And, and you've got hopefulness in the fact that you're able to play again, right? The fact yeah. That to, to, no, there's a lot of hopefulness. Yeah, to do this thing there's that a lot of hopefulness that you had, you know, cut off. I guess in some terms, yeah. <laughs> some, some points, you know, more more literally than us. Was it, um, you know, was was there expectation on your part that? Um, you know, beyond beyond putting this on record, that that it would be hard to go out and. I mean, if the idea is, in in a sense, to sort of evoke some of these feelings, w- w- was it difficult to think that you might be evoking them every night? That actually has come up, and yeah. um, we we played we we played at uh, we we packed them in at the Stone. We sold out the place for the record release, mm-hmm. and um, and. Uh, it was great because Sylvie said, you know, we're playing we're playing for Lynn. That was my wife. We're yeah. playing for Lynn and we're playing for ourselves because it's just um, – it's not the kind of record you go out and go, yeah, you know, and now here's the new single from, yeah. you know. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it is a very personal record. And so it is, a, it is a show, you know, and I thought about taking it across Europe and touring mm-hmm. it, but I just couldn't see coming into like a jazz club in Italy and trying to – I just didn't feel right. It needed to be concert halls, special performances Mm. only, you know, so festivals. Where does the, um, where does the, the new, new one land? Uh, Nighthawks. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, well, Nighthawks is, is, is is, this band bone bridge is, is a really fun band. And and is that a Tom Waits reference? Is that, no, I don't know. I don't think so. I thought I made it up. Mm. Do you know? Oh, there's a yeah, and Nighthawks at the Diner is a big. Uh, I don't know if you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, Nighthawks. I, yeah, yeah. I, I know. I didn't make up. Yeah. That's a Hopper. Okay. That's a Hopper yeah. painting. Nighthawks. Yeah. Yeah. Famous. Yeah. Hopper painting. Yeah. This band is is completely fun and great for touring and um, very audience friendly and um, um, just a pleasure all around. You know, the the, the Nighthawks record. Uh, comes off of our first Bone Bridge record two years ago, and it's you know I, I just feel like the chemistry between cello and slide guitar has hmm. so many possibilities, and they're they're kind of unlikely bedfellows. You know, they're just um, they're both really expressive, but they come from two different yeah kind of traditions. zones and traditions, yeah. and uh, the, the 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 matching the chemistry between them really kind of sizzles I think and it's it makes for uh, a lot of fun it's interesting it's interesting you know and 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 that's what's always interested me about the the violin specifically is that it can be yeah it can be a fiddle is that are, are, are you are you tapping into that a little bit well not so much because I'm mostly playing pits plucking the, mm-hmm. the cello but that I think that 
God, I don't know what my instrument would. It's not really a fiddle. What the what the the the, the amp, cognate? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. <laughs> and then this this was just. I mean, it seems like so much of your stuff is just. Um, oh, here's somebody I I like. Let's go sit down and see what happens. Or did you have any of this in your head before? Well. Once, once I realized that it was going to be slide guitar, the music really—it's mm. like once again knowing who I was writing for. I mean, I saw. So Doug, you were really were writing f- for this, okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Always, I always yeah. write specifically for instrument instruments or players. Yeah. Most more more players than even instruments. And once I I knew that Doug was on board, then the music just started coming. So that's always a good sign. Yeah. 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 So it's pr- and it's probably nice. I mean, especially after um, the last solo record to have. I mean, you're saying not a cel- celebratory thing, but this very much is, right? Yeah. So this is really you kind of getting out there and right. You know, right. But you know, it's it's part of it's part of my approach is um, is following my nose and mm. um, and um, like the the ne- I have two records that are coming in are in the pipeline coming mm-hmm. down and I have a soundtrack record and a, and a record of a jazz project that dedicated to Oscar Pettiford. And then after that, there's going to be another solo record. So I, I kind of try to, I'm, I'm, I have short attention span. You get I, restless. I get a little restless. Yeah. I want to move into different, I, different projects, different approaches. I remember uh, running into Joe Lovano and he would just, he sort of said to me cryptically out of nowhere, just saying, Eric, you got to keep him guessing. You got to keep him guessing. <laughs> that's, I mean, it's, it, you know, it's in terms of um, your own sanity, I think that's great. But it's, it, again, that um, if I'm playing the role of the record executive and that's, that, that makes it hard for me, right? That makes But it, that's not true because, no. because, the, you know, who, who, who mediates how we communicate with an audience is the press and the press are bored if you hand them mm. the next bone bridge record yeah. which is followed by the third bone bridge which is followed by the fourth it's like you know dude we've heard we've heard this yeah. band this is like it's like you gotta come so because once you get the press interested yeah then that filters down and it communicates something to the uh, to the audience so who's who's your press who's 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 writing about your records I, you know, I guess I, I know, don't really time. pay attention. <laughs> no, you don't really. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I just know that when when things are when things are working. I mean, uh, yeah. um, um, I, I I I just feel like it's a it's a it's a better approach to to come at them with something new every once in a while. Yeah. Than it, than kind of. Besides, you know, I'm not cream. You know, I'm not the Rolling Stones. <laughs> so it's not like every new record yeah. once a year is going to be greeted with. Um, you know, frothing at the mouth, and you know. and you know, and no one's going to be upset that you're not playing our greatest hits, right? Well, maybe that surprisingly, <laughs> <laughs> people do like. I mean, people do like to hear people what they like know. what they like. Yeah, yeah. And we right. we are we are we are creatures of habit. I mean, it, it's interesting too that that you're mixing it up so much because I was think I was thinking about this on on the right here. You know how um, the vast majority of us spend so much of our early years and in a lot of cases really our entire lives trying to figure out what it is that we want to do and and in a sense you've kind of been doing not the same thing but you've had the same tool at your ready since you were eight yeah it really helps to uh, stick with something yeah you you develop a little track record but um i mean i think what what's happened to me over the years is i've gone from thinking or enjoying wearing a lot of hats being the go-to guy for a lot of different people yeah. and enjoying that role, playing all different kinds of music, playing at Lincoln Center and then playing on Broadway and then playing downtown at the Knitting Factory and, mm-hmm. and doing all that to realizing that I need to focus it a little bit mm-hmm. and kind of pare away some of the extraneous stuff and being in a position to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. And so because of economically, I can I can make a living as a doing... In fact, I've improved my living mm-hmm. to do... Um, to be more focused extraneous but but you're still doing it sounds like you're still doing a lot of different projects i'm doing a lot of different projects but i i I don't do as much uh i'm I'm a little pickier about who i play with yeah just because my time is i'm more interested in spending time on my own yeah you know and 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 you get to do what you love yeah (laughs) 
Yeah, 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 yeah. Not, yeah, not yeah, too many yeah. people can say that. There you go. That was Eric Friedlander. Uh, recorded that one in his apartment right here in New York City. It was a it was an absolute pleasure speaking with Eric. I've been been wanting to talk to him for a few years now. Um, actually, uh, uh, first saw him a while ago. Went to go see a, a Mountain Goats and John Vanderslice show. Um, so you know, walked into the Knitting Factory um, expecting to hear some some thoughtful acoustic indie rock music, and, and came out of the show having fallen back in love with cello so i've been been following him since then but eric's got a a really difficult uh career to follow because he he seems to to pop up all over the place he, he plays around town with john zorn a lot um he's 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 recorded some mainstream records so he's done he's done work with uh, with courtney love and a lot more set in fact if you're listening to a record and you hear some um kind of experimental but really beautiful uh, cello music. There's there's a pretty good chance that Eric is directly involved with that. So uh, so do check his stuff out. Thanks uh, thanks so much to Eric for for taking the the time to do that and, and you know for, for sitting down and, and making some tea as well. Uh, thanks to you for listening. If you liked what you heard, you can send us an email to rylcast at gmail.com. Uh, follow us on Tumblr. It's rylcast.tumblr.com. It's the the first place to get the show. You'll get it hours if not days before it goes up or over up. But uh, boing boing. But Boing Boing, also a great place to find the show and so many other uh, wonderful things. Um, you can also find the show over on iTunes, over on Boing Boing's uh, podcast page. You can find our show and lots of other great Boing Boing podcasts over there. And while you're on iTunes, why not take the, the, the chance to, to rate the show as well? Uh, thanks uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing this thing together. Thanks to Mark and everybody else at Boing Boing for hosting it up. Uh, thanks to Eric once again, and thanks to you for listening. And thanks preemptively for listening next week because we will be back with another episode of RIYL.